Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. February 2nd and 3rd is NHL All-Star Weekend in Toronto. Join us for the SDPN All-Star Takeover. Two days of live shows, special guests, parties, and more all taking place at the Rec Room in downtown Toronto. Attending the NHL All-Star festivities, we are literally down the street from Scotiabank Arena, so come hang out. On Friday, February 2nd at 2 p.m., join us for live shows from Agent Provocateur, The Chris Johnston Show, and The Steve Dangle Podcast before the NHL All-Star Skills Competition. Then on Saturday, February 3rd at 12 noon, we're back with the SDPN All-Star Panel with Steve, Adam, Jesse, and an incredible lineup of special guests. And we're not done there. On that Saturday at 7.30 p.m., the SDP All-Star Party. After the final whistle, join us at Isabel's on King Street West. Hang out, have a couple drinks, and close out the NHL All-Star Weekend in style. If you're a hockey fan, this is where you need to be on NHL All-Star Weekend. Tickets for all events available now. Links below, and make sure you're following SDPN Sports on all of your social channels for info, updates, and more. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. It's one thing to do one in-person show every now and again, but two in the same week. We get the Monday show... And on Friday, we get to do a live show in front of people at the rec room. Hopefully, you have uh, bought your tickets by now. Uh, The link should be in the description of this episode as part of the SDPN All-Star Takeover. That's Friday, and uh, we can hype that up as much as we want. We should also appreciate appreciate the fact that we are in the same room at the same time. Yeah, bud. Good to see you, buddy. Good to see you. Hard to get my mind around this week just yet. Why? Because it's busy. There's a lot of people coming into town like yourself. Uh, obviously the events of this year's all-star game, there's one extra event and, you know, in addition, you got the PWHL three on three, uh, there's some social events just, it just feels like it's, it's Monday right now. And I'm like, Oh my God, how am I going to navigate these days and keep all my bosses happy and also have a good time and all those things. Can you tell the listeners and the viewers what your week will be like? (laughs) Well, I don't know that it's any crazier than yours. It's just, you know, a week like this, we have... There's there's a big media day uh, where all the all stars are available to the reporters. So obviously that's on the agenda and you know writing stories out of out of that. Um, you know Gary Bettman will do an availability on Friday around noontime with reporters. Then you have the Thursday night draft and the PWHL showcase. You have the Friday skills competition, the Saturday all star game itself, and as I said, a few people invites for coffees and dinners and a beer and all that stuff. And you mix it all in. I'm just like, oh my goodness, I'm not good at multitasking, Julian. How do you organize stuff then? Do you not have like a planner? Do you not put your stuff in your phone in terms of, you know, hangouts with people? You don't have people like texting you and be like, oh, you're in this. I had someone who I'm not going to name 
literally texted me today. Be like, oh, you didn't tell me you were coming into town. He used an expletive that I won't use. But like, you don't have stuff like that. Like people be like, where are you at? Like, what, what's going on? Like, I'm putting you yeah, in Yeah, but it's hard. That's what I'm saying. It's hard to manage all that. It's hard to just imagine how it's all going to fit in. You need I'm worried plan. I'm going to forget something. CJ, you won't forget. Okay. You have a planner. I'm imagine sure. Friday, you just are there for the live show and I just forgot somehow. Oh. <gasps> No. <laughs> you go on stage alone? Like, how would you manage that? I would just do like a, I would just like. Stand up routine? Yeah. Just like, yeah. I think I just have to do stand up for 45 minutes. Or just come up with terrible jokes. Drew would have to, producer Drew would have to come on with me and like, you know what? If we brought on producer Drew, maybe people would boo him the entire time. We just no. get him to say really ridiculous takes and maybe that would carry us through. It depends. I mean, he probably be, his anti-leaf stance might shine through. And I'm guessing, given that we are going to be what, half a kilometer from Scotiabank Arena, even closer? It's probably going to be a Leafs-heavy audience. Yeah, that's true. We're going to have to come up with some really fun stuff. Uh, one thing uh, that CJ told me that he does not want done uh, for that live show, we will not play the movie game. I mean, we can. I mean, you made it. I would it, prefer well, not I mean, to. That's Just it. Like you, you, made it, you made it seem as if you didn't want to play the movie game. Because I'm so bad and I realize... But that that's the point. I know, but it's a lot of pressure to be on stage and coming up with a fake <laughs> outline for a movie. <laughs> I, I see the anxiousness in your face just like, oh, God. <laughs> but I mean, if... It's okay. If, if the people want it, the people can get it. CJ, we can find other fun stuff to do, like taking questions. It'll be uh, the second show of the week, so maybe you have another fun what if. We saw a couple people react to the what if we brought up last week about whether or not, to, not whether or not, but imagine Patrick Waugh in a Detroit Red Wings uniform. Right. I was thinking one of the limitations of the what if is, I don't know where our audience lands on the age scale. But you're more we're more likely to get access to what ifs for players that are retired or yeah. gone on from their careers. And yeah. so that they are going to be a little bit old school generally. That's fair. But at the same time, like, like people you, don't want to talk about a trade that nearly happened last year because you know there's still ramifications, the people involved still be in the league, all that stuff. Yeah, but you're not bringing up like a random trade involving, I don't know, Bill Lindsay. Maybe. I mean, if they were part of like something, I'm sure like there's like a massive play. Like the, the whole idea is to have massive players that people know, right. regardless of whatever age. Anyway, nah. I mean, we're still workshopping that one a little bit. I think once we get that off and running, I mean, we already had the one. We're gonna do more of these. It's gonna be fun, like the Friday show. It's gonna be really fun too. Uh, again, get your tickets in uh, for the SDPN All Star Takeover. Link will be in the description. Do you know what I'm most excited for this week? Actually, is a skills competition. Me too. I like of all the all-star events, I feel like that one carries the most promise to, to be a memorable, which is not something you can always say from all-star, right? I mean, we could go back over the years. There's not a lot of things in the last couple all-star games that people are probably going to remember and remember 10 years from now, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? But I think there's a possibility. I mean, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, you know, McDavid versus Dreisaitl right down to the end for the win, or like it could be anything like that. I think, or McDavid versus Matthews, or, you know, just, I think something like that could be cool. And, you know, I really get the feeling, we're recording this on Monday, all the players, the 12 players that are participating in the skills competition this year have had to, as of today, put in which events they're going to do. Okay. Because they get, they get, there's a certain amount of choice, right? Yeah. Um, And then they do get till tomorrow to maybe move, depending on, Ooh. because the way it works is, you know, we won't get too lost in this, but 
the top five in each event get descending point totals, five, four, three, two, one. And then anyone below the five gets zero points. Yes. And so if 12 players enter the hardest shot, that means seven are going to end up with a zero. But it might mean only four players entered the one-timer thing you're doing. And so maybe some guys are going to want to migrate over. You know what I mean? So there'll be some moving around. But the players are really into it. Like that's at least heading in. And I, I hope I'm not selling anyone a bill of goods because I've, I've been to so many of these all-star games and we all know kind of what it's about. But I actually think the guys are into this one. That makes me happy. You know, Connor McDavid is getting credit for really pushing. You know, he didn't just like rubber stamp it. You know, my understanding is he had three or four different meetings with the league and gave a lot of feedback as the process was ongoing, as they kind of honed in on exactly what this would be. And, you know, the idea of being, if you don't have, what they're trying to do is identify the most skilled player in the skills competition, right? So if you don't have the most skilled player in a league on board that wants to do this, that's into it. I mean, it's not a credible competition, right? Right. But the fact that he's into it and, you know, you got a few Leafs in it on, on home ice, I mean... Look at that 12-player lineup. It's stacked. If anything, I've heard more players are hoping to get in or like get considered an alternate in case someone drops out. Like it's it's not, they didn't have to coerce the group of 12 you see there um, in that Friday night skills competition. So Let's that's, not forget about the fact they're competing for $1 million. Yeah. Did you see Bo Byram was trying to get <laughs> Kel McCarr one? He was like, he's giving everyone on the decor a hundred grand. I saw Kel McCarr was like, I'm not sure Bo knows how money works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it really works out. I want, like, I've seen people talk about how the All-Star game is a joke and no one's into it and, and no one should be even caring about it. This is just my view, but... If you're a hockey fan, if you're an NHL fan, and we're NHL fans, and I get it, we, we, we report on the league, but we're fans at the end of the day in terms of the league, in terms of the quality of the game. Don't you not want the game, the All-Star game, to succeed in some way? An opportunity for the to see some of the best players, to see them show off personality, for it to mean something? Like, watching the NBA skills competition and and the slam dunk contest and the all-star game i know every year they got it's it it kind of varies from whether it's interesting or not but that's stuff that like people talk about for years and years on end like people will go back to i think it was the 2016 slam dunk competition where it was Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine going head to head and that's like probably the greatest slam dunk contest we've ever seen you'll go back to when Vince Carter had that single slam dunk performance or 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 Steph Curry hitting threes like the other day we were i think it was a uh, there might be some kind of some kind of event involving like Sabrina Ionescu and, and Steph Curry. Like people get into skills competitions, and it would be really fun if the NHL had something similar of the sort. That you know, it's one thing to get the rest of the sporting world to get into, but at least if their own fans are into it and are excited about it, and we can go back to it in years' time, and be like, hey, remember when this happened? Like stuff like that's great for the game. Well, and there's only twelve players. I think that's key, and that's no disrespect to the second tier of all-stars, if you want to call it that. But I mean, right. you're not requiring that everyone be involved. And so you really are limiting it to the, the field. And from what I understand too, is they recognize that some of the skills events they've had in recent years were like a little too, like, you know, like there's little nets and you got to shoot it. Like it, it wasn't intuitive. If you just turn on your TV, you're like, what am I watching? I think they've really tried to simplify it. So it's like literally the hardest shot the fastest skater. There's a one-timer event where you're shooting at targets. And I think it's will be pretty straightforward what you're trying to do and what, you know, means success. And so I think they've really tried to pare it down and make it be truly just measuring skills, um, 
that are important, obviously, to be an elite level hockey player, pitting everyone head to head. Anyway, I don't need to hype up anymore. I just I no, this is great. I'm telling you though, this is great. I'm I'm legit excited about it. Me too. Um, I can't say I don't have no reason to believe the game itself will be worth too much watching. I mean, or like I just don't think it's going to be that compelling. Um, the last compelling one, frankly, for me was when John Scott was in the game in Nashville yeah. and, and, you know, just it, that whole thing was, it was wild. Right. And, and I know the league didn't like it, but I, I thought it anyway, I, I would just remember when I was saying that there isn't much memorable, that's memorable to me, for but, example. But there's a good reason for that, right? Like this player who no one would ever peg as an all-star makes it and he steals the show. Like right. it, it, it was great. I mean, Kendall Coyne, Schofield and San Jose you know, participating in the fastest skater and, and like legit beating uh, some of their, her male counterparts. I mean, like all that stuff, those, I think we had a chance for a moment like that out of this skills competition. And I do know this too, that they, that the NHL believes this could be something that has some staying power that, you know, that maybe, maybe the defending champion, like whoever wins this week gets to come back and defend, you know, his title. And I guess it'd be two years time. Cause I think next year there's no all-star game. Right. Because they're planning to do that in-season uh, four-team tournament. Yes, that's true. Assuming that all happens, because that, yeah. as far as I know, is not all cemented at this point. But I know it's really easy for us to dump on the league, for us to dump on hockey, and there's a bunch of reasons why. But it's cool when we can look at something that can be fun and say, hey, this should be fun. We should get into it. We should be excited about it. We can't just dump on the National Hockey League every single chance we get. Well, they're trying. Yeah, they're, I'll give them points for trying. Look, at there's limitations by this format in general. I think all All-Star games suck. I should be clear. I, I get that, too. Seriously, like, I have watched MLB All-Star games. I can't say I've ever watched an NFL Pro Bowl, So, but I'm just going to assume it sucks because I've never heard anyone say I should be. I mean, the Pro Bowl isn't even really a Pro Bowl as it was before. Right, like, and the NBA All-Star game, like, whatever. It's like 180 to 174 and, like, but there are like flashes in those games where the people care. Okay. And there are elements about it that are, so, but I get it too. I guess the my M point is. But the NBA varies where you're right. But we're limit, like no all-star game is amazing. No. So I think you're trying to make chicken salad, chicken, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're Chick trying, yeah, you're trying to make your best. Trying to make chicken. It's not going to be perfect. Ever. I don't know if I know. I don't know if I want you making chicken, knowing how you season your food, but you know what? Come on now. It's all right. It was, anyway. it was, it was very easy. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's going to be cool. It's great that we have a live show. Yeah, we're going to get some time together this week, and yeah. it's a fun week. Like it's 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 nice to have everybody in Toronto. It's been 24 years since the All Star Game was here, which is just crazy. Given that you know, like the league has a head office attached to Scotiabank Arena. Um, obviously, it's a big corporate base for the, the NHL. It's been a long time. I'm looking forward to whatever company parties go down this week. All right. See, this is because <laughs> like I'm now glad we don't have a morning taping again. Like because now you're because now you're with us. Like you're not rolling around solo dolo. I mean, you do have the TSN boys, but like you 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 get to roll with the athletic now. I suspect you won't be seeing the TSN boys at the All Star Weekend. Oh really? I don't know. It's not really their scene. Really? Like Darren last year, I Darren Dreger has something else to do. Last year, I was the only one there for the TSN. Oh really? Crowd, yeah. Okay. I mean, you're going to see Mark Masters, sorry. Yeah. Here, but I don't think on. you're going to see Darren Dreger, and you'll probably see limited Pierre Lebrun would be my prediction. How many, before I get to some of the other topics we're going to bring up today, um, how many All-Star games have you covered? A lot. How, how much is a lot? I mean, they haven't had them every year. Right. So I'm going to say at least 10 and probably more. What was the first year you covered an NHL All-Star game? 
Do you have the list of them there? I could bring it up if you want. Uh, I covered one in Ottawa. I think that was around. Oh, that was later. Actually, Drake was at that one, like a young Drake. Is that the year where he took a photo with Carey Price? Probably. That's probably that year. I, I was in Montreal. I think that it was colder than it was like the coldest ever. Was that like 2009 Montreal? Yes, I want to say. That was, I mean, yeah. I, I, was in one in, I definitely was in high school. Then. I was in one in Atlanta. I think that was around 2007. See, this isn't that interesting, but it's... No, I was just curious. I just wanted to know like what the number was. I was in Vegas. I was in Tampa for an All-Star. I was in St. Louis for an All-Star. Um, last year's Fort Lauderdale. So it's it's up over 10. Okay. Probably. Right. Or like roughly 10. This will be my first. There you go. Yeah. I haven't missed one. It's just they haven't had them every year, right? Because we've had Olympic breaks. We've had lockouts. We've had this and that. So it's not, not a clean... It's a hard number to get to. Maybe, uh, I mean... Having one is nice. Uh, maybe I get maybe I get to your number one day. Maybe this is ah, just the one. It's not a competition. It's I mean, not a competition at all. But it, I'm I'm excited about this being my first one. Yeah, I mean, look at it. The, the upside here is is that it doesn't really matter too. Like let's like what is bad is also good because all the players generally are relaxed, um, and it's the top players or a lot of the top players in the league. Access usually is pretty good. Like if you depends what kind of stories you might be working on, but like it's. It's a light weekend, yeah. Um, and and of course you you bump into media friends and people that work for the league or the players. So like just like people you know, it's you know it's it's, and and the stakes aren't that high. That I mean that's the upside. I actually remember Vegas two years ago. That was the first time I was in a room with NHL hockey players since before the pandemic. Right. Because everything had been Zoom access and podiums and whatever. Like, but then when we were in Vegas, they had that media day with the All Stars, and we were all in the same room again. And it was a really small media gathering because at that point, I don't think all the Canadians wanted. I can't remember what the rules were, but maybe I had to test to come home. Or I think I did actually. I think you had to like pass the COVID test to fly yeah. back. And yeah, I think companies were just nervous that you might have to quarantine for two weeks. Anyway, that was only two years ago, but that was that was cool. I remember how how much fun that was. I was like, wow, this we can actually do our job again. We can like chat and learn things about each other and get information and all that stuff. It was a world away. But uh, no such worries about such restrictions for this weekend, thankfully. Um, let's get to just some news and notes around the league, but also some pulse checks and checking in on. I wanted to check in on two teams in the same division, the Pacific Division, and they are seemingly going on opposite ends. You have the Edmonton Oilers, who are on a 16-game winning streak. Once they get back from their all-star break, they have a chance to equal the Pittsburgh Penguins' record of 17 consecutive wins. And then you have the LA Kings, who are also in that division, and they looked really strong to start off the year. We were looking at them as road warriors, and I believe they've only had two wins in their last 16 games. In a month. Like, like in an actual calendar month. Like it, and, and these two teams were in opposite directions to start off the year, and now it has been a complete 180 for both of those teams. Which of these two teams seems more interesting to you right now? We'll get to both of them, but in terms of the Oilers and the Kings situations, which one are you more into? Well, the level of dominance at Edmonton is unique because, yes, they have the 16-game win streak. They have a separate eight-game win streak, which essentially got them out of the the hole they had dug. So when you add all that up, and I don't have all the numbers in front of me, like they, they, these guys have barely lost in months. Um you know, Stuart Skinner's numbers naturally are ridiculous during this stretch because he's he's been playing most of the games in goal. You're, you're, I think you're seeing a different level of defensive commitment from 
the Oilers' top players, and like the stakes could not be higher in Edmonton. You know, they don't have McDavid and Drysaddle signed forever, um, which you know is I think a little discomforting. I, I, like if it's your job to worry about the long term future of the team, like Chris Knobloch's coaching every day. This isn't his concern. But if you're if you're looking out big picture and you're wondering where things are going to go, I mean, you just there's there's some uncertainty there, uh, which is not a prediction of what's going to happen. We don't know. Leon Dreisaitl can't sign an extension legally till July first, so it's not even a it's not really a a conversation in terms of what's happening now, but it's just lingering in the background, and and the stakes are so high for the Oilers, and so. I mean, just as we said in our preview show, this is the Stanley Cup favorites. Yeah. But they got here in the weirdest way possible by winning whatever, two of their first 12 games, now an eight-game win streak and a 16-game win streak. Um, to me, they're the most interesting team. I think they'll be reasonably active by the trade deadline. You know, we've already seen them sign Corey Perry. He made his debut for for Edmonton on the weekend in, in the game against Nashville. Um, you know, I guess it's kind of boring to talk about a team that's winning a lot because there's not a lot of tension there, right? We can't we can't drum up any drama around them. But but we did we have talked about in the past about how even with the Corey Perry signing, they could still add, yeah, or well, still I mean, be I, at least linked to guys who are available. Well, I, at, no, at, I definitely. think they're going to get another impact forward. At Absolutely, and who knows? They might get you know depth defenseman. Like you know, teams like this tend to. I think when in addition to the fact that you know, they don't have forever necessarily with their core driving players. You know, it's pretty clear what the stakes are. You know, some of the other Western Conference teams, it gets a little early to get too wound up about anything just yet. Yeah. Because usually the teams that that end up winning a Stanley Cup, they, they kind of dominate like February, March, April into the playoffs. And so I'm not predicting a major fall off for Edmonton, but it's almost, you know, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But it just seems like some of the other top teams in the Western Conference have have some issues, right? Like injury troubles or, you know, just some feelings that it might not be quite their year to the same degree or, you know, Colorado, Vegas. I mean, these teams are going to be heard from before the cups handed out. Like the, the one, they're not going away away, but if you're Edmonton, maybe you're looking at those teams, not with quite the same amount of fear. And obviously those are the last two teams that beat the Oilers out of the playoffs uh, with Vegas being them last year in the way to the cup and Colorado dusting them on the way to their, their championship two years ago. So, um, yeah, I just think there's a lot of opportunity there for Edmonton. And, and I mean, you can't forecast this level of greatness. So who knows if they can beat or match that streak. Have you looked? Like, is it a lot of overtime wins? I haven't looked specifically for each of them, but I know there are, a diff there are diff diff different era, right? It's a different NHL. Like, it was 92-93 Correct. That's when the Penguins did it. And I've seen people complain that, like, you have to put an asterisk on this winning streak for the Oilers because we live in an era where overtime and shootout well shootout wins exist yeah ot's one thing well i know back in the day you could tie but like i, I mean they won those games yeah i don't know if it's an asterisk but it is it's it's not quite apples to apples it's it's a different league but um you know my recollection though is they've won a lot of those games in regulation like it feels like they're winning a lot of 4-1 kind of games the oilers they're not giving up many goals against uh which really stands out so yeah i'm i'm i i am fascinated by if Edmonton can get it done, it's just so interesting. It comes in this year where you got Vancouver, you know, going well, and and you know, obviously Winnipeg. I know they they lost a couple games in a row before the the break here, but you know. Producer Drew is is saying uh, three, three, yeah. yeah. So three out of sixteen—that's pretty good. Like they're not getting by on eking out shootout wins. 
No. Well, that's actually funny that Drew chimed in here because uh, I wanted to pull up a tweet that he brought up during uh, the win streak when it was at 14 games. Hmm. Uh, this was when it was at 14 games, so two wins ago. Teams the Oilers have beaten during their current win streak. Uh, he brings up the Rangers when they had Jonathan Quick in net, the Flyers, uh, the Leafs when they were reeling, the Kings. Uh, I mentioned how they weren't playing well. Detroit, New Jersey. Seattle, Calgary, Montreal, Ottawa, Columbus, Anaheim, Chicago, San Jose. And I'll add this because he wrote this at the end. It's impressive, but not exactly a murderer's row. Like, what do you make of the fact that, yes, they won all those games, but to Drew's point, there were a lot of, you know, minnows in in that schedule of games. Drew is the master of tweets like that to probably just send people into a tip. Oh, yeah, exactly. Just a master. He knows how to troll. Like, there are a lot of Oilers. Even I wrote to him being like, you have to beat the teams in front of you. What do we say if the Oilers, if the Oilers well, lose that stretch of Calgary, Montreal, Ottawa, Columbus, Anaheim, Chicago, wherever that was in the schedule? What do we say about the Oilers? Well, how many teams have had easy stretches of schedule over a hundred plus years of the NHL and not many others have got to this level. So that's one still comeback. I mean, I, look at, you can't deny it though. I mean, if it's not that they, they aren't beating Colorado three times in there in Vegas and yeah, you know, Boston, Dallas, whoever like- you view the very top teams in the league. Um, but it's come on, sixteen games in a row is nuts. Like they are feeling themselves. That's an incredible streak. For them. I almost feel like that All Star break comes at the worst time. Yeah, you're on that momentum, and all of a sudden you have to come to a stop. Yeah, I forget then, who they play uh, after the uh, the break is over for them. But they, it is Vegas. So yeah, like geez, your first game back after an All Star break is Vegas. And I think even I mean, Connor McDavid after his last game was saying, yeah, we owe them a good game, just referencing the playoff series between those two. Sure. It's just like you've spent four days on a beach and another three days hanging out with Justin Bieber at All-Star. Eh, no like, big deal. I'm just saying, like, who knows? Like, I don't know what to expect. You, when you're winning this much, though, you want to keep playing every other day. Basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the Oilers, they, they fascinate me. The Kings, I don't have as many answers for. You know, to see them go on this big of a tailspin kind of a little out of nowhere like they haven't shown hints of this like this is like the bottom has fallen out and you know obviously Rob Blake has been pretty clear like he's not looking to make some big trade he certainly is not inclined to fire his head coach Todd McClellan although whenever you have to answer that question publicly it's not a good sign like it's like yeah and we've seen already earlier this year the one team that comes to mind the Ottawa Senators at least try to throw some support behind their head coach, but it gets to a point where... Well, it was like three games later and he was fired. Yeah, like you have to do something. You have the public vote of confidence and eventually, if nothing changes, you have to do something. Right. A team like that, probably this is a good time for an all-star break because it's like a total reset, um, fresh look at things, maybe give the coaching staff time over the break to like reassess things are doing within their structure or how the lines are working, things like that. I mean, the season does come at you fast when you're playing three to four games a week. Um, I I don't know what to say about LA. I mean, like they're now in danger of missing the playoffs. They're within, they're in that wild card fight with yeah. teams like with Nashville, St. Louis is picking up its game. Seattle's in the thick of things. Calgary's kind of falling out, but yeah, like they're, they found themselves in that cluster now. Do you know what we haven't talked about is Joey Decord? No, we haven't. He's having like a sneaky, awesome year. I don't know if any, like he got love at the winter classic. Obviously he pitched a shutout that game and that got some attention for a day, but I was looking it up. He was like, 
He's like fourth in save percentage in the league, second in goals against. He doesn't have as many wins as a lot of goalies, but if you look at Seattle, like they're right at the bottom of the league in terms of goal scoring. Like the the only reason they're within a whisper of the playoffs, or not the only, but like the main reason is Joey Decord, who kind of, you know, he's been around the league. He played games in Ottawa. He's played played a bit in Seattle before, but like he, you know, he came in to play behind Philip Grubauer. And when Grubauer got injured earlier in the year, he's just taken the job and run with it. Anyway. Shout out, uh, shout out Joy Decord. 15, 8, and 9, 920 save percentage, 236. Yeah, that's a really, those are underrated stats for him. Well, and if he played on a team in, that scored more goals, it'd be way better stats. He'd have, well, I think if you have a 920 on most teams, you're going to have more than 15 wins out of 32 starts or whatever he's got. Absolutely. So, anyway, I just, that just crossed my mind when but, you But I'm glad we mentioned that. But like, yeah, Seattle is part of that. I still think it's going to get to a point where, that Western Conference chase, I admittedly have not been following the Eastern Conference wildcard chases closely, but I think more and more people are going to eventually catch on and see how tough it is with all those teams trying to get those two spots and seeing who's in there. I didn't even mention Arizona that's in the middle of that as well. Like, I think it's going to get fun over the next few weeks. Well, L.A. doing this has brought other teams forward. Yeah. In a, in a way, like it like makes you start to believe because like maybe L.A., you know, which has been a perennial playoff team the last few years. Started off the year again. There was no hint of this coming from anywhere. Um, I don't have a lot of answers for them. I mean, I I do know that they are resolute. They are trying really hard not to trade anyone. They're trying like they just want to push through this. But you know, as you reference with Ottawa and other teams, sometimes it just hits a breaking point. What about with uh, one big play that I noticed over the weekend? Oh, actually, from a couple of days ago, not from the weekend, but it did bring up a lot of discussion. And we saw a suspension doled out for Brendan Gallagher, uh, the Montreal Canadiens forward who elbowed uh, Adam Pellick of the New York Islanders in the head. And once it was announced that uh, he wasn't going to get an in-person hearing, which would have probably gotten him five games or more as a suspension, so many people were up in arms about that. He did get five, but some people kind of thought that the the book should have been thrown at Brendan Gallagher. Well, five is a lot. It is a lot, but it was a 170 grand. Yeah, but that was a really dirty hit. It was. I think this was the rare suspension where there almost is no gray. I mean, in in most in most big hits or or plays, like I think there's always a yeah, but or you know, but this happened over here. It's like no, he just like he he lines him up, he catches him clearly in the head with his elbow, like, devastating hit, late, unnecessary. Player left the game injured. I know he missed the next game. I don't know if he's still out now or where the Islanders are. I mean, that looked really bad. I don't know. I don't know what his Pelic's condition is, but that just looked like a horrible hit. And he wasn't even playing the puck either. It felt like an easy one to go six to 10 games with. Easily. Now, this is, I guess, maybe this is the Grays. Brendan Gallagher's never been suspended during his career. I I I don't have an answer. No, I don't necessarily need like an answer. It's more just like I see a hit like that where a player skates through the middle of the ice and the puck is not being, I mean, Pellet gets rid of the puck. So he's not, Gallagher is not going to Pellet to play the puck. He's clearly going in there to deliver a deliberate malicious hit and he catches him in the head, a very dangerous area. It's reckless. It's stupid. It's the type of hits that the league needs to be eradicating from its, from its game and only five games. I understand but five's that five's a lot. And he got but kicked it's a out lot, of that. But game. it's a bad hit. He scored two goals on the power play while it, he was out. Yeah, it was a terrible. I mean, yeah, the Canadians ended up paying for it, but they ended up winning that game anyway. Right. Which might be a loss, depending on how you view these things. That is very true, considering where the Montreal Canadiens are at. But at the same time, like 
I think if you have a hit like that and you are the Department of Player Safety, I th- I thought six or seven would have made sense. I think five, I guess, is the absolute it's the absolute max in that situation for them. But I would have been okay if they gave six, seven, eight more games for that to really send a message. Of course, that sets a precedent going forward, but I I don't know if you. I mean, Do you know what else six games is? And that it's the threshold for where you can appeal to a neutral arbitrator. That is true. Which I'm not saying is why they did it, but it is notable. Like if you give a player an eight game suspension, that player can bring in an, a third party to rule on it. And and we've seen that third party arbitrator at times reduce the length of those suspensions. Jason Spezza comes to mind. I think Gary Bettman might have reduced that one. Okay, Gary Bettman did. Because it goes first to the commissioner, but then you can you can do a subsequent one to a neutral arbitrator. Because that's I think that's been the weird thing the players have always pointed out is like the league itself doles out the discipline. Anyway, I don't want to digress too far, but there, no, th- those but, are good details. I didn't know that. But five is the maximum you can give a player, and and you know you he could still Brandon Gallagher could appeal to the commissioner, but I'm pretty sure I'm a little fuzzy on some of my CBA rules. But I, I, I'm pretty sure you can't go to the neutral arbitrator at five or under. Okay. In any, so you think five is sufficient? No, I mean, look at I when I saw it in real time, I was thinking it was going to be an in-person hearing in six plus. I didn't think it was going to be twenty games or anything like that. Although, you know, if the player stretchered off or something, like if it, sometimes the outcome, you know, maybe it just it. There's no, there's not a lot in Brendan Gallagher's corner other than the fact he hasn't been suspended before. Right. That's like the only piece of evidence where you're like, okay, maybe you're a little bit lenient. But Jason Spezza hadn't been suspended before. Now, in his case, and he got a six-game suspension. In his case, though, his teammate Rasmus Sandin had been, I don't know if he was hit in the corner, but he'd been kind of injured in the corner. And so it was retaliatory, which, you know, it, it you know it shows premeditation yeah. is the point. Um, whereas I, maybe you don't have that in the Gallagher case. It could have been more. Okay. All right. I, 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 I just think don't get as fired up about this as everybody else. I mean, I think it's easy to get fired up considering the inconsistency of the Department of Player Safety. But how could you ever be consistent? I mean, it's the not my is but crazy, it, but it's not my job to do that. I don't think that there is a consistency that you can ever have. Like they're doing their best at that. I can appreciate that they're doing their best. But when you clearly see that one play gets a certain amount of games and it's something similar might get something different. Or it just feels as it just feels as if the process is like them. I say this all the time, but it does, at least for fans, feel like the guys at the DOPS go to go to the the wheel they have in their back wall. They spin the wheel of justice, and wherever it lands on, that's the punishment that gets doled out. I thought at the beginning of the year it, this year it seemed like they were getting on that way where it's going to be consistent, but now I'm not so sure. I mean, look at they do these videos now. Like, I don't know if you watch them, and I'm not. Yeah. I'm not like talking down to you, but but like, no, no, no. If but someone I does care to like understand how they get there, they are they're showing their work as much as they can. Yeah, and I appreciate that they do that, and they do a good job usually in the way that is that they describe it. Right, and I just think that the, the plays themselves are like snowflakes. Like, they're not no two are exactly the same. Like, this guy got suspended three games for a cross check. Well, you know, David Perron. You know, he hits a, like and yeah. you have to bring that one up. I'm sure the agent provocateur wouldn't approve uh, of that. But uh, he'll also be at the SDPN All Star Takeover on Friday, by the way. But I guess my point is that, like no no two cross checks are the exact same. It's I put it. I'm just glad I don't have that job. Me too. I'm very glad I don't have that job. I still think though, like even if they're all very different, there are at least some that are similar enough where you can at least size size them up. So. And- 
I don't know. Well, you go. Yeah. No, I was going to say, do you have another hit that Gallagher? I I can't think of another Gallagher hit that I'm, you're right. Like, he has never been suspended. And I can't really think of too many other plays where he's done anything that close to being. But I meant, is there another suspension where someone got like eight games or something like that? I mean, I don't mean to put you on the spot. No, that's fine. But like, I, I, that's true. Like, I, I think for, like, I'm, I'm not even necessarily thinking about like, Five but, games, not a lot of people get five game suspension. Not a lot of people get five games, but I, I still think for that type of hit that you don't want in the league, I don't necessarily, I mean, maybe five games is enough, but I think six or seven wouldn't have been a problem. I think more going more really sets a message. 170 grand. It's not my money, I guess, but you're you right. Imagine? You could, I mean, 170 grand. Well, shoot, that's a lot of money. It's like you get to wow. Christmas next year and you're like, man, I wish I had that 170 grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I had that money to do different. Yeah. What would I do with 170 grand? Let us know in the comments what you would do with 170 grand. This episode of the Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by Shopify. If you could trade a bench warmer for the goat, you'd do it, right? Get your business a game-changing pickup by choosing the commerce platform with the internet's best converting checkout. That's Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed sneakers using the in-person POS system or offering official outfielders outfits on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you're covered. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. Shopify also powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States. And Shopify being a truly global force powers Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Johnston, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Johnston to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash Johnston. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, let's stop off in Columbus. We are going to get to Hockey Canada and uh, Alex Foreman's in, but I do want to stop off in Columbus because there's two stories that came out from the last few days. Um, Patrick Laine entering the Players Assistance Program and uh, David Juracek, uh, I believe, is... Uh, do, you, do you know who his agent is? Alan Walsh. Alan Walsh. Noted Alan Walsh client, David Juracek, uh, talking uh, to a friend of the show, Aaron Portsline of The Athletic, uh, just about... Uh, it's been pretty weird for him with that franchise in Columbus where he hasn't played since January 9th, gets called up, sent back down while being scratched while playing up at the big club and then talks to, to Portsline. One big, one big quote that's kind of going around here 
uh, I get I played good hockey in the NHL. I'm an NHL player right now. That's my opinion that I should be in the NHL right now. I see guys from the same draft like Simon Nemec in New Jersey, Kevin Korczynski in Chicago. They get a chance on the power play. They play a ton of minutes in the NHL. Those are different teams, so different situations, but I can compare with them. I just want a chance to play like that. When you hear David Yurchek say that, I don't know how much you've been following his situation in Columbus. When you see his situation and you hear him say stuff like that, do alarm bells go off for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, your antenna goes up for sure. I, I actually just thought he was being honest. Like I didn't, I didn't get the sense he was like putting the organization on blast or no. I think Aaron Portsline got in front of him in Cleveland and was like, "What do you think of this? Like, where are you at?" And, and he just gave his side of how he views things. Now it might be a little bit more honest than some of the organization might want, but you know, to me, he does have to play those minutes. And I don't think it's the end of the world if he plays them in the American Hockey League. Now, I, now I gather and respect that he probably prefers to be in the NHL. But if there's one area where the Blue Jackets actually have some depth is on their blue line. And, you know, keep in mind that they got Provorov in the offseason. Obviously, Wierenski's still there. You got Erica Branson there. You got some players that have been in and out between Andrew Peake and Adam Boquist, uh, who's injured now. But, you know, they've there's not a there's not a massive opening for David Jiracek to, to play the kind of role that he's thirsting for. You know, whereas, you know, I look at Chicago when he mentions Korchinski, I mean... Seth Jones and then, you know, Connor Murray. Like, there's just not... There's a big drop-off after Seth Jones. I just think Chicago has more holes, right? Like, they have... Their their lineup is way less complete. And so there's that opportunity there for them. You know, the Nemich example from New Jersey is, like, New Jersey's blue line is battered right now. Um, you know, they're claiming guys on waivers and and the like yeah. to, to fill out a roster and they, they, they literally picked up Nick DeSimone the other day. Yeah. And, and the big one being Dougie Hamilton being out long-term. So, you know, I think that each individual situation is unique. I can understand his frustration. I don't, it would be hard to sit here without having to make those decisions and be like, yeah, he should not be going up and down every two, two days. But I think ultimately what management landed on is he's got to play. And so I would suspect you're going to see a long run in Cleveland for him now. Although I say that and they maybe get three injuries the next game and like this is this is the reality when you're on the bubble, right? Um, but you know, this is a top prospect for the organization, an important player that they develop. It's been a weird year in Columbus, right? Like it started weird with the whole Mike Babcock thing right before training camp. It's been pretty clear Pascal Vincent has tried to I think be a bit of a hard nosed coach. Yeah. You know, benching players, you know, discussing underperformance in the media. Like, I think he's trying to push the entire group to a different level, but, the, you know, it's just been a difficult season there. Um, and, you know, Cleveland looks like they're going to make the playoffs. Like, I, I don't know that it's the worst for someone like Jurichek to just play tons of minutes there, have a long playoff run, and then I'm guessing some of these roster situations will sort themselves out because, you know, Columbus is going to trade some players mm-hmm. um, either at or before the deadline and then also in the in the summertime. So, yeah, you know, there's there's a path out of this, but it's it's pretty clear right now. It's a hot situation. Um, the player's frustrated. I haven't spoken to Alan. I'm guessing Alan's frustrated because he I, I bet he's I, always in his, his the corner of his clients. And you know, I think the Blue Jackets themselves are just what a tiring year. And you know, we don't know what the future of Yarmo Kekline and their GM is. I mean, we haven't yep. hit on that in a long time, but he's on an expiring contract and it's very much up in the air what management's gonna look like there next season. So there's just nobody that is probably feeling too comfortable in Columbus right now. Maybe other than Johnny Goodrow, he's got a long con- yeah, contract. Yeah. But like, there's not 
There's not a lot of stability, I would say, in that organization at the moment. I'm sure we'll run into Allen on Friday, but I mean, I'm pretty sure he's hopping. He's feeling a type of way with the David Yurchak thing, I'm sure. I, he hasn't made any public comments, though. I mean, and he's not. That's true. Going back to Derek Broussard, I remember many years ago when he was in Columbus, obviously, there's the whole Marc-Andre Fleury situation yes. with the infamous meme. Anyway, <laughs> well, yeah. if, if he's feeling a certain way, we'll probably know it some point as the whole world will know maybe he'll tell us on friday you should ask him yeah maybe maybe i could ask him i mean you could ask him too just saying yeah that's true uh yes the sdpn all start i know we've been bringing that up a lot uh we will have that uh at the end of the week uh we will have asked cj later we will have uh there's some names that may be kind of tossed around in the trade market that i might bring up with you but I do want to see if we can, not see, but I think we can take some time and get into the latest development with regards to uh, Hockey Canada and Alex Formanton, uh, who left his team from Switzerland. Um, and it seems like he will be charged uh, in connection to the 2018 World Junior Championship incident um, that involved Team Canada from that year. Uh, I imagine with uh, next Monday, that's supposed to be when we're going to hear from London Police uh, I know last time we discussed that situation, we were trying to figure out, you know, what is that time period for players to surrender themselves to the London police? Is there anything else we can go off from that? Is there any other development? I mean, just seeing that Alex Formanton is that first name that's out there. That's a really big development. It is. And, you know, Alex Formanton is one of four members from the 2018 World Junior Team that was not under an NHL contract this year. Um, and he, he did turn himself in on Sunday morning in London. Um, you know, I guess some people had suspected this was behind at the time, I suppose, when the senators, you know, didn't resign him as a restricted free agent last season. And, you know, I think one thing that's worth pointing out is that his, his lawyers released a statement saying that he's going to vociferously defend uh, his innocence in this case. And they are asking that no one jumped to any conclusions ahead of time. So, I mean, that, that will be part of, there's a legal process still to play out um for him and and you know we don't know the nature of the charges you know one thing the police have continued to say is that they'll get into all that next yeah. monday february 5th yeah uh when they have their their media briefing then and so you know basically this is the first player that we know of because i guess it could have happened we don't know but that's turned himself in is his lawyer has acknowledged that he's been charged and that's kind of all we know and so i you know i still want to walk on gentle ground here, but you know, Formington, his rights are retained by the senators where he played off and on for a couple seasons was a second round draft pick of theirs. And, and, um, but was not under an NHL contract. So the league itself has not yet commented. I'm guessing because he's, uh, I shouldn't guess. No, they, they haven't commented because, you know, he's not a player that's under an NHL deal, but you know, just by the math, the fact there's five players and only four players on the entire team don't have NHL deals. Um, we'll stay tuned and see what else develops. Yeah, I'm at this point. I'm just anticipating if uh, more players in connection to this are going to be, we're going to hear the news the same way that we heard the Alex Formanton story. Where it's, I don't know that. You know, I, I don't, I really, I don't know right. what to expect. I mean, it, me neither. Because you know, let's face it, we're we're reacting a lot to what the Globe and Mail's reported. So that's uh, <laughs> that's that. There's five players that have been asked to turn themselves in, but we don't know of any others that have at this point in time. Yeah. But we will uh, continue uh, to follow that story uh, as it develops. 
Um, I realized something just now where we did go in on on David Juracek, and then I did kind of jump to Hockey Canada, but we didn't really touch off too much on Patrick Laine being in the player assistance program. Um, I, I don't know what the reasons are for, but I mean, I just hope that he is doing okay. I think that's more than fine for us to feel that way. For sure. And, you know, that's that's the point of that program. It's it's to assist players. Like, it's literally what it's called. There's a high degree of um, sensitivity around the details of what treatment a player is receiving. I do know people that work within the league and the Players Association that obviously are privy to more info than us. And, and But often they don't even know what the exact nature um, of a, an individual's circumstances are that's led them to be there. And so, you know, we don't want to speculate in the Line A case, but you know, it's been a tough couple of years for him. He's been in and out of the lineup a lot with injuries. You know, he lost his father unexpectedly a couple of years ago at, mm-hmm. at age 54, which is obviously far too young to, to, to lose someone you love. And, you know, I, I think he's, it's, it's been difficult, but you know, I have to say Patrick Line of the years I've been around the league has been one of my favorite players to cover. He's really got a showman's sort of sense, not just on the yeah. ice, but the off the ice, like a real, flair for the game, love of the game. And, you know, he, he put a statement out on Instagram and was saying that he's just got to look after himself right now. And so, um, you know, what's great is that this program will allow him to do that. And he's basically out until, you know, the, the, the counselors overseeing his, his case say he's okay to come back. So we, we don't know when that'll be, but, um, you know, obviously wish Patrick the best and hope he gets the help he needs. A bit of a random thing to think about with Patrick Laine, but we obviously, we obviously remember he's from that same, Austin Matthews draft class and you mentioned his personality and his flair and man that guy was off to a really great start and could you imagine if he continued at that all-star level and he gets into like not to bring up the all-star game again but like this event the skills competition something like that that would have been so good for him it would have been so fun yeah I mean I don't I don't know how he'd hang in some of those events like speed was not his game no but like but he could sit that one out Fast <laughs> exactly. skater, you get a chance to pass. But I'll tell you, I think it was his third game in the NHL. Might have been his fourth. I was there. It was the Leafs at Winnipeg, and you know, obviously, all the comparisons and hype about him and Matthews. And he had three goal game in that game, and and I believe the winning goal might have even been in overtime. Time dulls some of the exact memories, but it, I just remember like he he always had that flair, and like he didn't mind. I don't think either guy likes no players like it when you're like this guy versus this guy. Like it just, it's not a hockey thing, but you know, I thought he did. He, he, he kind of like soaked all that up and, and, you know, I was out in Winnipeg too, when they went on the run to the Western conference final. Uh, and you know, he was always in the middle of all the media there and given extra time for the Finnish journalists. And yeah, I mean, I, I just, you know, just for look at hockey secondary in the time like this, you just want to yeah. look after himself, but yeah, you know, because of how important hockey is to him, what would be great is on the other side of this this period, if he could get back to being at his best. Um, because it's, it feels like it's been a few years since that's been the case. And I don't yeah. know if that's just like not having the right teammates to play with. I mean, obviously, he's he's got a specific skill set. He's a sniper. Like, it, it would have made sense if things had gone different in Winnipeg to have someone like Mark Shifley as his center. It's almost like a Brett Hall, Adam Oates kind of situation where you, you could have really had a setup man for him. Um, anyway, I mean, I, I, I just hope that he's able to get to a spot because he's still only 25, 26. He's not that old. So young. There's I mean, a lot to play. So, you know, it's uh, it's not always a straight line. 
You know, you, you had Nichushkin had a zero goal season before becoming like just a horse on the avalanche, right? Like, I just think of like, it's not every player's path. Very few guys step in a league are dominant and are just have amazing season after amazing season. Like you've, we've seen Connor McDavid do that. I mean, even Nathan McKinnon, one of the absolute best players on the earth, like took a couple of years to really get humming at the level. He did. You know what I mean? Um, you know, Crosby, Ovechkin, both were among the, the league leaders right from the, the get go and have been for 17, 18 years, but there's just, there's not many guys that can do that. And so anyway, there's still some hope there for Patrick line. I think, but, uh, you know, obviously has to tend to what's most important. Yeah. Uh, I'm rooting for him and I hope uh, he gets whatever help he needs. And I hope we get to at least see glimpses of what his first few years were like in the NHL. Because I, I thought he was really going to turn to a special player. Not to the point where he, I don't know if he'd get to a point where he'd be just as good, if not better than Austin Matthews. I have to look back on my old takes on that. But I really hope that he <laughs> just, you know. Do you got some old tweets from like 2016 where you were just. I know the being like producer Drew out there trying to get everyone fired up in Toronto. The worst hockey take I've ever made, and I've owned it on social media, uh, is that I thought Jonathan Duran was going to be the best player from his draft class. That's not going to be the case because Nathan McKinnon exists. Yes, yes, that's the worst. That's the worst one I've ever done. I, I've had some. I don't even remember. I don't keep track of that stuff. But well, I, I'm glad. Yeah, I, I don't try to keep track of all of them, but like that one is. It's been flashed to me a few times. It's like, yeah, like that's pretty bad. <laughs> it is what it is. Did you delete it or do you still, does it still exist? I think it still exists. Cause like at the end of the day, like, I mean, no, it's a moment in time. I owned, I, I owned it. it I, I'm wrong. Hey, there's a date stamp on it. It was like maybe 2013. Yeah. Like it was years ago. Like I don't still, I obviously still don't believe that. You know? Right. I tweeted this year that I thought the Cowboys were going to win the Super Bowl, like really early in the season. I remember you, uh, that video of, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Michael Parsons? And you were like, that guy looks like a Super Bowl winner? Yeah, that's, that's yeah, the one. Yeah, I, I got you on that. And that was like the third or fourth week of the season. Yeah. Sorry, man. <laughs> no, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Uh, very quickly here for jumping from topic to topic here, but I, I do like that we were able to end the Patrick Line one on someone somewhat of a lighthearted note because uh, I do want to get to trade bait and I do want to get to ask CJ. Okay. Um, not too much on trade bait, but just three guys that have come top of mind here. Uh, one player, Chris Tanev, uh, during Hockey Night in Canada over the weekend, uh, they mentioned Chris Tanev and the Ottawa Senators as a possibility. That'd be really interesting. I, I know there are Ottawa Senators fans I've seen on, on social media who have another Calgary Flames defenseman in mind. I don't know how likely that is, but Chris Tanev being a pending UFA, that team trying to become a playoff team. I can understand why Chris Tanev to that, but I I mean, I'm, I'm sure people in Toronto would love that uh, going to Ottawa instead of being a Leaf. But uh, how do you feel about that kind of rumor that's being dangled around? Well, I mean, that's it's, it's a conversation that involves a a contract extension, right? I mean, that's what makes it interesting is that Ottawa is not your typical team that we would have linked up to uh, Chris Tanov on the big board uh, because, you know, usually you're looking at the teams that have a chance to win the whole thing. I mean, I know in Vancouver, there's still interest in bringing him back there. Obviously the Leafs interest has been much discussed going all the way back to November or December. Uh, I think there's a lot of teams that like Chris Tanov. I mean, he's number two on the big board. There's a lot to like about athletic. Chris Tanev for good reason. He brings the things that you, you tend to see out of blue lines that have success in the playoffs. Um, and I know he's, he's fought some injuries over the years and things like that, but you know, he gives you his all not too, too, too old. Is he 33? 
Yeah, he's like in his mid thirties. You know, the injury history obviously there is going to follow. It. There's not a long list of guys though. If you peruse the big board, where you're like this, you'd rather have that person instead of him. So. Playoff. He's, he's, he he looks like a like teams that are all like, yeah, I want that type of guy for the playoffs. Like I need that presence. I need that. Like Chris Tan, if you look at him in the face, you're like, that's the guy I want. Well, and this is what tells you about Ottawa is that they're a team like they're dying for a little bit more leadership stoutness in their dressing room, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, they don't have it. Yeah. And this, I mean, this year, I guess we've hit on Ottawa, but like this year has been a disaster. Really? Yes. I know that they've played some better hockey lately and they've, they've won some games and maybe, maybe there's, but like, it's a little, it's a little late, right. In the proceedings, like you've been down at the bottom of the, the league all year. You fired a GM, a head coach, you lost a player for 41 games. You got docked a first round draft pick. I mean, yeah. I get I get that all these things are like that's a confluence of events, but it's just it really has been a tough year in Ottawa. And they were like, if you went back to training camp, they all believed, like from Kachuk to Stutzla, like these guys thought this was gonna be the year that they took a big step. And and look, they might still finish out strong with 30 plus games, almost 40 games left, but it's just it's not gonna be like a real playoff chase unless they reel off 18 wins in a row. And uh, beat the Oilers record here or whatever it's going to happen. Yeah. Sorry, Ottawa. That's not happening. It might. This is why we watch, man. But yeah, I'm just sure. saying, like, absent something, like, almost miraculous, they're already thinking about next year. And so that what makes them an interesting suitor is that that would be a next year move for them, even though it's one you're making at the deadline because he's available now. But you're only making that trade of, as Ottawa, knowing that you can keep him and that he'll sign an extension. Okay, so we'll keep an eye out for Chris Tanev and the Ottawa Senators. What about Sean Monaghan? That's a name that's been floated around for a while, uh, doing well with the Montreal Canadiens. Could be a good center for teams that are looking for one. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of interest in him. I mean, how many teams want a center? I mean, unfortunately, now you've just seen the Rangers lose uh, Filipino for for the year with his concussion issues, so that opens up. there. There's another team that can probably use a center. We've talked about Boston. You know, Colorado could probably use a second line center. Um, I think Winnipeg is looking as as well as Vlad Nemestikov has played for them. I think that they're looking at like, can we get through four rounds with him in the in the two C spotters or someone we could bring in? And so, and then you look at the number of centers available, and, and you see Elias Lindholm at the top of the board. Yes. Then you quickly get to Sean Monahan. You know, maybe you're looking at Adam Henrique and Anaheim to to come in and play some center for you. There's not a long list though. Like it it, it gets. If you're looking for that specific option, Monahan is one of the players available. It helps that he's on a $2 million contract and that Montreal would even retain 50% of that potentially. I mean, obviously the price goes up if you do that, but I mean, he, he's, he's as addable, which I realize is not a word, but he's, he's very he's like add. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I was just like, what? But he's, he's as easy to squeeze in under the cap as almost any player you might be trading for. And you know, and the, the Canadians have a lot of teams calling on him. So, and I think Montreal would be willing to move him like that. I don't think that they need to wait it out till March 8th. No. Uh, and that's, that's the other interesting thing there is I, there's a lot of other teams with players that are kind of intriguing, but they're definitely going to play it out towards the last couple of weeks. I think, I think the Canadians and Kent Hughes is not afraid to, to sell some pieces at the deadline. He's done it the last couple of years. And this is, this is might be his last year to be in that position. And so Sean Monahan is probably his most viable piece to move. I mean, Jake Allen's out there, you know, maybe some other defenseman, but I, I think really Monahan is Monahan is it 
you know, and they might get a first round pick for him. Uh, Producer Drew, thank you uh, for the text. Uh, you meant attainable. That's probably the word you're trying to think of. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not trying to like. It's a Monday, but, bud. Uh, it's okay, man, dude. We got a long week ahead of us. Yes, sir. Uh, what Mix about in a water? Yeah, shout out the water. Uh, I don't think we have a sponsor for uh, whatever water bottle that is, so uh, no free promo for you. What about uh, Adam Henrique? Is there anything you're hearing about him, the uh, the Anaheim Ducks forward? Well, he he fits into the same category, right? Like, cause he he hasn't played in the playoffs, believe it or not, Julian, since the Devils went to the Cup final, which I think is 2012. Oh my God! So it's been a long, it's a long time, a long go for him, and I think he's very excited to do that. Obviously, Anaheim is a team that you know will trade a player like him, like Ilya Labushkin, you know, pending UFA's veteran players, and you know, Henrik, I think is on the radar for a lot of teams. I mean, there not a lot of forwards, man. Yeah. Like if you're like how many teams I've mentioned a bunch. I didn't, who I haven't mentioned that I think it's still good a forward is Vancouver, Edmonton, Vegas, Dallas. Yeah. Um, in addition to Washington, Boston, Colorado, you know, it's a lot of teams. And then, so, okay. Jake Gensel, maybe he's in that mix. If, if Pittsburgh sells, you know, maybe Jordan Everly gets moved out of Seattle, although as we were mentioning earlier, they're right in the in the thick of things in terms of the wild card race in the Western Conference. I mean, it's just not a lot of guys. And so, you know, this is supply and demand. What's interesting too is Adam Henrique's gonna be in demand. What I what I, what I think is interesting too is some of the guys that you've mentioned here, maybe the price goes up on Jake Gensel. I don't get the sense beyond Elias Linho, maybe that like the price might be like all that extravagant for teams and maybe the run is on those guys well how many teams do we know for sure are gonna like they got their first round or they got their top prospects like on the table like i don't i think vancouver will be aggressive they've, they've been yeah. pretty clear i think edmonton will be reasonably aggressive you know vegas aggressive seems to be like in the in the dna of that franchise yeah. i could see them getting aggressive and you know they got Barbashev last year which was uh, you know a big help for them in terms of winning the stanley cup I, but I don't know how many teams. I, th I feel like a lot of the teams that we have as buyers are are a little bit more like, eh, do we want to give everything up? I mean, part of that, too, is this thing is wide open. It is. And wide open is a good thing because it brings more teams thinking like, hey, maybe if we get on a roll and something can happen here. The flip side of that is the, the, even the teams near the top are maybe like, this might not be the year, right? When we talk in Toronto about it all the time, like, is, is this a year? And you and I had the debate one day on the previous show, but like that the Leafs should throw a bunch of assets at, at trying to to have short-term help, or maybe you just kind of go through it. I mean, I think that that's part of the exercise happening with the Leafs and, and, and they're not the only ones. And so, yeah, I mean, Adam Henrique, I'm pretty confident saying will be moved. He'll, he'll end that long playoff drought, personal long playoff drought and pretty useful player still like doesn't score at the rate he once did, but you know, pretty good in the dot, um, you know, can play the wing too. I just think that he's you're you're looking for like players with one dimensional tool sets don't usually it's it's that's a harder equation, right? I mean, we saw Tarasenko move last year to deadline and, and Ottawa's gonna try to move him again, I would think, this year. But you know, he's a scorer who's not scoring like he once did. Like I, I think that someone like Adam Henrique, you can make an argument can fit in, in a lot of different ways on another team. And so um we'll we'll keep our eye on him too. All right. And uh, are we getting another trade board before uh, March 8th? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't have a date for you. Probably coming out All Star, so probably early next week. Oh, okay. All right. So we'll be on the, we'll be on the lookout for that. There's there's a bunch of other stories ahead of that one. Mm, those that's what we call a tease in this industry, sir. <laughs> Let's get to some questions for Ask CJ. Uh, thank you to everyone who sent in questions over uh, X. Sorry, I almost called it Twitter uh, and uh, Discord uh, that uh, CJ will try his best to answer from Chucky Picks. What was the first album you bought? Ooh. Aerosmith, get a grip. Uh, what year was that? I mean, do you got Google? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's, it, I think it's get a grip. It's the one that has the cow udder on the CD cover. There is a cow udder. Uh, 1993. So that, that would have been, that was the first CD I bought. <laughs> I, <laughs> do you have Google? <laughs> well, because I don't know. It was a long time ago. And I don't know why I chose that album. I mean, it was a pretty popular album at the time, um, but that was the first one. Uh, my first album I bought was Infinity on High by Fall Out Boy. Was that a CD or? It's a CD. Okay. It was a CD. It's good to know that you have owned physical music, that you haven't only been a digital music nah. music guy. I, I like like high school. Uh, remember, remember HMV? Dude, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember waiting in line at HMV, the one right by uh Ryerson University, where I went yeah. now, Toronto Metropolitan University. Yeah, there's a big HMV there, and Radiohead dropped an album, and I was in line at midnight to buy it. Oh, so you've 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 done that where you've kid, like gone I think line? it was Kid A. Oh, shoot, what's your I was, you know, what's weird? I've been thinking about asking this question for months. What is your favorite Radiohead song? Oh, man. I can't name one. I, I love Radiohead. Yeah, I know you do. So but I like, can't I, have but, one song. So, okay. I know artists like that where it's like the same thing. But like in terms of like your favorite songs. Uh, I mean, their whole catalog. Yeah, but like you can't say the whole catalog. Yes, you can. No, you can't. Yes, you can. No, you can't. There are songs from Radiohead. I'm sure they're not as good. And like there are songs that you, you don't go through every, you don't play the catalog every day. There are probably songs I don't you play it more lot. than others. To be honest, I haven't, I don't know when I last put on a Radiohead song. It's been a long time. I mean, like, I think it's one of those things where you like an artist so much where it's like, you don't want to overplay them to death. But if I, if I heard one randomly somewhere, I'd be pumped. Like I like So it. like Karma Police. It's in like the top 10 probably for me. Um, Burn the Witch. Like I, I love the whole OK Computer album. Yeah. That's a good album. Um... I just don't think you can go wrong. Okay. Have you seen the have you seen the this the videotape radiohead thing? Uh I don't think I have. So I can't explain it because my I'm limited in explaining music, but they 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 play a musical trick in that song. And you can see it, there's a there's like a little documentary about it, and it like blows your mind when you watch it. I gotta figure out what that is. I'll I, rem it. I remember the song videotape. But like it, it has kind of a funny pacing to it and it's yeah. it's because they're they're doing something that the music the way it's not normally played anyway it's radiohead those guys are brilliant okay now you got me now you got to send me that uh from mike but i'm not gonna say that's my favorite song but i love watching that video about that song but like, that's cool there it's like they're like literally on another level but like i still think it's wild where it's like i'm asking your favorite song from them you're like i like everything you can't say like everything uh from mikey hearing anything from tampa bay they've been quietly munching points and have been better defensively, but still seems lots of talk around them for finding another defenseman. Yeah, the, with the, them and what cap space. I mean, uh, Julian, yeah. if anyone will find it, it will be Julian Breezeball because he's made lots of trades. But he's also traded, you know, 
He traded multiple firsts for for Hagel. Like I just don't think they have a ton in the cupboard there. They're going to squeeze what they can out of that team, but I don't know that they're going to be the headliner this year. If they, but you know what, they they kind of they glide beneath the radar a little bit sometimes with that stuff. But I, I just I haven't heard anything like tangible, and I don't see I don't see them being like the the winners of trade deadline day, which doesn't necessarily mean you lost. Frankly, no. The winners of the off season and the winners of trade deadline day often are like, oh man, they traded all that stuff away and they didn't even. Go anywhere. Yeah. How many times do we look at those winners and we're like, man, they won everything. Yeah. It the problem is it does happen sometimes, so it yeah. doesn't invalidate the thought. No. Like Vegas did go out and make it like Barbashev was a top five player on the trade boards last year, and he they traded for him and they won, and then he re-signed there. So it does happen, but it's just sometimes the teams that make the big splashes, like the Rangers, they lost in round one. Which I'm not picking on them. I'm just going off the top of my head. No, yeah. But, yeah. but you know, they went and got Tarasenko and Kane, and it just didn't fit. And they were up 2-0 in that series. And then they lost 4-2, and then I ate a Putsin hot dog. All right. Uh, Kay McGuire. Can a team... <laughs> That's such a bad hot dog. It's awful. Can a team trade a player while on their all-star break to a team still playing? Would the player be expected to leave their Mexico vacation and report? Yes. I mean, I don't know that that would happen. I can't recall it happening. I was wondering. See, I figured you're, I knew. I knew Bo, the answer was yes, but I was just wondering if there was like a story. Well, Bo Horvat last year, the first time he pulled on Islanders jersey was at the All Star game. Yes, where he was meant to represent the Vancouver Canucks because that trade happened. But I don't know the Bo. I think it happened before he didn't wasn't on vacation anywhere. No, but yeah, I mean, because some teams have the bye week right after All Star. Some are on a bye week right now, and when I say week, I think it's only four or five days. But, um. In theory, yes. But I'm guessing the acquiring team might also say, like, do you know what? You're in some locale. Like, don't rush here. You know, come up in a day or two. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, I think there's going to there's gonna be some compassionate grounds in there. But, yeah, th- there's no there's no roster freezes whatsoever. We've seen all kinds of players on waivers, guys going up and down with the American Hockey League in the last few days, and that will continue. Uh, we're going to need some help on the audiovisual side for this next question from Ahmad Rahman. Uh, which one would Big Money CJ pick? It's uh, the photo of the three starter Pokemon, um, Squirtle, Charmander, and Bulbasaur. I'm going to make sure you get to look at the photo here so you know what you're working with. But uh, I'm sure for uh, viewers on video, maybe we could find a way to get a photo up. Maybe there's one already covering my face. Uh, we got the thumbs up from Drew. Which one would you pick, Big Money CJ? The blue guy. You would pick Squirtle. And that's why we're friends. Is that a good pick? That's I think that's the best pick you can make. I, I'm biased. I love uh, Squirtle because they evolve. You know how Pokemon evolve? No. I don't know anything about Pokemon. How do you not know anything about Pokemon? I was That came around when I was like listening to the Aerosmith CDs in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Like, but was, like Pokemon was, was like a late... Like how old were you in the late, ni- in the late 90s? You weren't that old. Like 16 or 17? Okay. The Pokemon might have been a little past you then. Like the late, like that's like a kids thing. But seriously, I'm not, I'm not, I, I've heard of Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah, know, yeah. I don't know anything about it, but I, I know I would be the blue guy. Okay, yeah, Squirtle. Squirtle's the best pick to make. Uh, Bulbasaur is a good pick. Charmander, I get it. I know Stephen A. Smith uh, picked Charmander when he was asked this question. Oh, did he? See, Stephen A. is older than me, so yeah. He, well, actually, he pronounced it Shamander, and the only reason why he picked Shamander is because the forehead reminds him of his own. <laughs> See, I just I like, think this person was trying to I was like my favorite color is blue I'll take the blue guy your favorite color is blue yeah my favorite color is blue there you go I don't know why we never figured out each other's favorite color until this point 
I mean, we've only had 200 episodes to talk about nonsense. Yeah, you know. Finally got there. Yeah, we finally got there. Yeah, it'd be nice to actually know more about each other's lives. Stick around Toronto this week, bud. We'll hang out. Oh, yeah. There's going to be a lot of that going on. Anyway, uh, thank you to everyone who sent in questions uh, for Ask CJ. That's going to do it for our Monday edition of the show. Nothing broke. Everything went great. And we'll be back on... uh, Well, we'll be back on Friday for uh, our live show. Does that mean no Thursday show? It's a good question. Should we do a Thursday show? I No, I have no idea. That's actually a good question. So our Friday show is going to be on YouTube, so that's going to be our Thursday show. Okay. I guess that could work. I mean, I'm not opposed to doing a Thursday show and then this, but also I don't know if that's... That depends if something happens, I guess. Don't add another thing. We already talked to my calendar. Yeah, I might sorry, be sorry, 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 sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just, just make sure. Sorry. Direct me in the group chat where I need to be. <laughs> I don't mean to add more to CJ's plate. Um, no, I'm not trying to make it sound like that. It's just. Also, I have no idea what my week's going to look like either. Right. I mean, there's some hangouts and stuff, but like, I don't know. I'll, I will be happy to work wherever I'm needed. Okay. I heard there's an athletic party on Thursday night. I, I thought it was Friday night. There's one on Thursday. That doesn't mean there isn't also one on Friday. I've heard about the th- Thursday one. I thought there was also one on Friday, but that depends. I, hey, look, we'll uh, we'll figure that all out. And uh, on Friday, we'll have our live show and uh, we'll have more fun stuff from there. And yeah, keep it locked here. Subscribe to our show, whether on Spotify, Apple, the YouTube page, wherever you listen to our fine show. And if you haven't already, buy the tickets uh, for Friday and for Saturday for the SDPN All-Star Takeover have any of the special guests been revealed for Saturday? They're still really keeping that under the chest, right? They're they're not uh, they're not leaking that. I don't know. I don't even know. So don't. Yeah, we at, don't, I can't even. We don't even know because they. It's good they don't tell me this stuff because I would spoil that surprise. Oh yeah, I know I'm, I would too. I'm the kind of friend like don't tell me you're having like a, a surprise party for your your, your partner or whatever because I'm going to spill the beans by accident somehow. Have you spoiled a surprise party before? No, but I'm likely to. <laughs> I don't have a good story, but I'm just saying don't. Yeah. It's just best to keep me in the dark, too, is all yeah. I'm saying. I figured we'd at least get like a hint. Well, let's log off and go see Steve. Let's go do that right now. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long and peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Inside the game twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie.